1: Yo, it's Wednesday. It's snowfall day, baby. That's what it is. It's happy snowfall day. Last season jumps off tonight on FX. I'm excited about it, Left. I don't know about you, man. I can't. How do you think it's going to turn out for Franklin, bro? Left, you got me?
2: Lucky Lefty Podcast.
1: I don't know what's going on with Lefty Froze. Lucky Lefty Podcast, man. Happy Wednesday to everyone. We are brought to you by Anor Whiskey. com is that premium American whiskey. com. And if you drink, by all means, make sure that you do so. Responsibly. Can you hear me, buddy? Ooh. Yeah, that was perfect timing. You got to do it responsibly. We are also partnered with Rock Financial for all your business needs. Whatever you need funded. If you're trying to flip a house, trying to get a little extra cash to expand in your business plans. Rock out with Rock Financial. Go to ROK.biz right now. Rock Financial. Tell Lucky Lefty sent you. Left it's happy snowfall day, Left.
3: It's happy snowfall day. Happy
1: snowfall day. Absolutely.
3: Louie did it. Louie did it.
1: Yes, she did. If I had to get a prediction from you, how do you think everything ends for Franklin?
3: I would love to see him right off in the sunset, but he's going to have a dramatic exit where everybody got to either go to jail or die. That's just how it happens.
1: It never it never ends up the way you want it to end up for the main character, right? I'm right there with you, Lev. I, I want him to walk off into the sunset with his newborn baby and tow. His mom right there. I just don't see it that way.
3: Just don't see it happening.
1: <clears throat> I do think... He's gonna have. I do think he's going to have to make one of the <laughs> toughest yeah. ones ever, and have to kill somebody. I don't yeah. know. I don't know who it's going to be.
3: We ain't saying who.
1: <laughs> he's gonna to have to make a tough decision, man. Today's show. Well, first of all, before we get to to today's show, sure. we had a fantastic yeah. interview with Notre Dame great former Notre Dame safety Jeff Burris last night. Left was unable to hop in because he had something that was very important that he had to handle. And pretty much we went ahead and did part one. Uh, We've already agreed to do a part two with Coach Burris. He's going to come back on, and Malik and Coach Burris, they're going to dive into the nuances of Notre Dame and really get into that 2016 season when he was an analyst on the staff and had some pretty good conversations that year with you left, which ended up being a pivotal year for you as you came back from injury. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. that's the type of conversation that I could not have with Jeff Burris, but the interview is up. It's also available on podcasts, Apple podcasts, Spotify, CFB nation, In conjunction with Iris Breakdown, all of our great content, give us five stars. Leave your comments. We appreciate them all. We respond to all. We are the home of the misguided passion. It's the Lucky Lucky Podcast. You already know. We we finish different. We're going to talk about Marcus Freeman because we didn't talk about Marcus Freeman and what he had to say about the hire. You know, we couldn't get past his the first five minutes of not presser. But I, I I'm, I'm, bet, I'm, I'm willing to say that the last five minutes for Marcus Freeman was just as good as the first five minutes. Things got a little heated. Things did get a little heated. Things got a little heated. So we're, we're going to talk about that. But we're going to talk about some questions to start off the show. We're going to talk about some questions that we got from yesterday's show. And like I said, we love all comments, man. We respond to all. Some very interesting questions that were left on yesterday, bro. Mm. This one comes from one of our members, mm-hmm. And they want to know, Malik. Do you think you went a little bit too hard on Jared Parker when he was talking about having a collaborative effort with the coaching staff?
3: Uh, I don't think there's a problem with him having a collaborative effort. I don't think I went too hard on him. I just am addressing that there is a difference when you're doing a collaborative effort as opposed to what the position was required that Marcus Freeman was looking for and Marcus Freeman was looking for an offensive coordinator who could give a pro style offense and a command that can elevate our players coming in with a collaborative effort. Are you looking to get a bunch of uh, opinions from the coaching staff of what guys like and, you know, slowly elevate the offense in that way? I just think it, for what we're looking for, I don't know if it's if, if it's matching up with like Marcus Freeman said, I don't know if it's the offense he wants, but it's something that can help our guys right
1: now. It's interesting when you talk about that. Man, and I don't think you went hard at all. I think the information you gave was very informative and was an inside look at what the collab effort was when you were a player and how it led to some difficult situations. I think one of the things you talked about was, who do I talk to as a quarterback? As a quarterback, who is going to be my go-to guy? We have a lot of different voices, but when I have a question, who am I going directly to to get the answer I need to make sure that I know what the heck I'm doing? That's right. And by all means, I don't care who's talking, get me to play in time so when I run back on, on the field after a timeout, I don't get a delay of game, <laughs> which, which, which is something we consistently saw. Consistently. Man, during Brian Kelly's era. Absolutely. Left, we have another listener question, and this one is pretty interesting. Well, everything that was pointed out by Coach Parker, which system do you think fits the best when he talked about the multiple systems that he's coached in? What fits Notre Dame the best?
3: What can fit Notre Dame the best is to have a very strong foundation running the football having a very nice ability to play action off of that run game, because we have an O-line that can, you know, get in the trenches and win in the trenches. But that third element that we're looking for on offense is to have some type of four wide, a spread, possibly a 10 personnel, an effective 10 personnel. Maybe we don't need a tight end but well, we can add an extra receiver to be able to show the prowess of the, of the talent in the receiver room, the talent of the quarterback, but also giving defenses even more fits than it would be uh, just running and play action. I think having that uh, nice consistency of a pass game that we can rely on, not just throw in and mix it up, I think it would make us uh, 10 times more unstoppable or more of a threat when we're playing in these games that are uh, in of need of winning.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, we
3: can win on the regular style we have been, but for games in which we need to win, that element has to show. And I think if you're going to do anything, that expectation that we put out there yesterday of at least 250 <laughs> and a couple tubs has to be uh, something we're
1: uh, leaning on. He said at least 250. At least 250. And people thought we were lowballing Sam Hartman.
4: Well, we said <laughs>
1: That's the crazy thing. When we gave our minimum requirements for Sam Hartman, people thought we were lowballing Sam Hartman. And I'm like, no, 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 no.
3: Because it's not yeah. about Sam Hartman.
1: No. Has nothing to do with Sam Hartman. Yeah. Right. Sam Sam Hartman can win a lot of games in Notre Dame throwing for 250 and two touchdowns. A lot. A lot. A lot. Now, whether or not he can beat Ohio State throwing for 250, can he beat Clemson? He probably can beat Clemson throwing for 250 and two touchdowns. Yeah. Can he beat Caleb and USC throwing for 250, two touchdowns?
3: Our run game got to come show up and have 200 plus, but well, I think so. If he can, he might even have to get 300 because, you know, Caleb can put up 40, 50 points.
1: Yeah. 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 Man, you hear that echo? Uh, I hear you pretty good. Yeah. I just wanted to make sure. I sound like the echo was coming through my headphones. Lucky Lucky Podcast. So we're talking about reaction from the fan base to – to what Jared Parker said during his introductory uh, press conference. If we're going to just say who won the press conference, I definitely think Jared Parker won the press conference. I think he showed himself. He was authentic. That's all you can really ask of anyone. But I was talking to Jeff Burris last night, Left. Okay. And I said, Coach, it's amazing how when I look at the stats back in 1989, 1990, 91, 92, 93, everybody said that Notre Dame ran an antiquated offense. Mm. And yet they consistently outscored. Today's Notre Dame offense.
3: Mm. That's, a, that's a
1: conundrum. He said, Explain. I, I said, Explain that to me, coach. And he flat out said, We have more talent. said, we have more talent. He said, I was recruited to Notre Dame as a running back. And I was six on the depth. Depth. on the depth chart. Six on the depth chart that's crazy Mm. (laughs) sixth on the depth chart he was behind the likes of Jerome Bettis Rodney Culver Ricky Waters Tony Brooks Reggie Brooks Dorsey Levins that's crazy and he came in with another all-American running back five-star named Willie Clark in the same class he was like we just had more talent man Like, when you have talent, you will find ways to put points on the board. Is it as simple as the talent that's been added to the Notre Dame offense, whether it's through recruiting or through the transfer portal, specifically at the quarterback position, is it that simple for Notre Dame to be able to add points to the board week to week this year? Is it that simple?
3: Mm, it can be, provided we make a concerted effort to highlight the talent that we have on our team, which Jared Parker mentioned. I think if we're giving committed attempts to throw in the ball more than twice to Tobias Merriweather in a season, I think we'll have more success or potential success being able to uh, rely on the fact that we got a guy that can uh, make plays when opportunities are given. So if more opportunities are given to uh, the passing game, I think that'll help the run game flourish a lot sooner than it did during last season. And I think it'll help I- give us an identity of what we can build on uh, having a, a guy that is very capable of uh, having a 4,000-yard passing season and also a guy that's very capable of having a 1,000-yard rusher but also 3,000-yard passing season. So um, the potential is is on the team. So is it going to help? I, I, I hope it does, but only if the opportunities increase uh, at the positions that have been a little dry. Uh, the last couple of years,
1: oh, what have been those dry positions left? I mean, <laughs> speak on it. <laughs> right, would you be talking about quarterback or wide receiver, or I
3: think it's been more eggs in one basket for the tight end. I think the tight end has given us a ton of production, and maybe some of that production spread out in some other positions could give us uh, more effective uh, Ws against teams that are pretty balanced uh, talent-wise compared to us. But uh, if the opportunity is given, I think guys like Ben Morrison flashing on defense as a young guy, I think we can have that same sort of storyline of success, uh, maybe have like a Christian Watson type of breakout receiver for the Packers on offense as well, provided guys get opportunities. Ben Morris got an opportunity as a freshman. And lo and behold, was in the right place, right time, and made freshman all American. I think we have freshmen that are on offense that can do the same thing. But they got to be in the game to do it. So I think that's going to be uh, something I'm looking forward to, uh, provided Jared uh, Parker goes about it that way.
1: Did Coach Parker make you feel comfortable that youngsters will get the opportunity and will receive the trust to be able to make an impact early in his offense? Is that something you picked up from what he talked about during his press conference? Uh,
3: he said a lot of good things, but I do think, you know, that along with having a collaborative effort of, of a lot of different things you want to do, I think it make it uh, something interesting to, to see what happens. But I do think that uh, he mentioned, which is the most important thing, the things that we do, Have to improve on, and I think he'll be able to make a good, uh, a good try. Well, maybe not even a try, a good push towards making those things come true for Marcus Freeman and also that that offensive uh, unit.
1: Lucky Lucky Podcast, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, CFB Nation in conjunction with Iris Breakdown. All of our great content. You can go right there, you can check it out. Home of the Miss. Got it? Passion. It's the Lucky Lefty podcast. You already know. We spend it different. Left. it's important to understand that um, he got through this process by obviously impressing Marcus Freeman during this interview. And Coach Parker talked about and was asked about what, what was it that he did in that interview that he felt like got him over the top.
2: Good question. You know, I'll say this: I saw, um, I know him very well, which is good to know. Now, that's good and bad. That also means I know that when uh, it's getting ready to erupt a little bit, I know it's getting ready to come at us. So, but but I I will say this: being able to communicate, look directly at him, and see something halfway through that interview, I felt like I did, just to know that um, he liked where it was headed, um, and, and a genuine approach. So I think I felt that energy, but more than anything, you just want to put out more of who you are and then also have a clear, very clear and concise way of portraying, Hey, this is where we're at. This is where we want to continue to find ways to grow and push it forward. And I hope, I believe I did a a nice job of being able to push that message to him.
1: So Jared Parker said he felt like he knew the moment in the middle of the interview where he felt like he had kind of impressed marcus freeman that, does that make you feel good that the person i mean look i've i've had interviews before where i felt like okay i'm killing it during the interview like they like me I, I can feel it you feel like that's a good thing normally
3: i believe if i was the only one interviewing i would feel pretty good that i'll be a slam dunk candidate up until that point, yeah. I think um, he probably walked in feeling real confident considering information that it may or may not allegedly been true or not. But if I was Jared Parker, I'm like, it's, I think I'm the only one left. <laughs> <laughs> so he's like, I don't have to say much because who's gonna do it if not the guy down the hallway. So well, considering
1: that he was part of the process, he was the one next to Marcus Freeman and the candidates and when they came in to visit. Yeah. So I
3: think him so I think him and Marcus Freeman felt that rise to the top uh by elimination of other guys. Uh <laughs> that Marcus Freeman and, and Jared Parker got on the same page.
1: Yeah. And Marcus yeah. Freeman talked yeah. about, yo. This is when I knew he was the guy.
2: Here's where the offense I was a part of is at. Here's the strengths. Here's some of the weaknesses. Here's the ways that I believe we can improve. Here's where I can bring in my own philosophy as an offensive coordinator and help us enhance. You know, and that to me, halfway through it, I said, this is this is the guy. The way he talked about installs, the way he talked about developing our staff, the way he talked about developing the culture of that offense. I mean, there were so many different points. I said, man, like I keep, this guy is it. And um, I might not have paid too much attention towards the end of it because I knew at that moment, I said, I found our next officer coordinator. And again, you don't want to make emotional decisions. That's why I didn't stop the, the interview right then and there and say, hey, let's hire him. I just said, let me really think about, let me talk to some people that I really trust and know um, that were in those interviews and that I've talked to and, and bounce ideas off of um, to to see is, am I right in the way I feel, you know? And uh, I woke up in the morning and I said, yeah, this is it. This is the guy.
3: Oh. Um. It sounds good. Jared Parker,
1: Parker is not the problem.
3: Jerry Parker is not the problem.
1: Notre Dame gave us an anti climatic situation. situation. As Jared is a factor. We danced in the club all night with this OC search, and then they cut the lights on. And it was like, it was like, oh, okay. No
3: no no, no. no, no, no. We danced in the club all night, bought tons of drinks more than what we should have. <laughs> now, wait there. a
1: minute. Did you buy but drinks for the know. crew? Hold so on! You, you get bottle on. service for the crew because that's bottle different.
3: Service, drinks for the, the the different crews you met along the way. Even paid cover for a couple people that came in late. Lights came on. You went home, <laughs> and lo and behold, it was your neighbor the whole time
1: watching Netflix. That's pretty good, Lef. That's pretty good. <laughs> it's pretty good. See you the, the up- point is the point is Notre Dame fans, regardless of who the choice was, should have been really excited <laughs> about the choice. Should have been really excited. And, and and that was stolen from Notre Dame fans. So I, I feel bad for the fan base. Because the fan base is put in a position to not feel ecstatic about the future, but to kind of just be in limbo like, I don't know how to feel about to- this. And that's just unfortunate, man. Like, it has nothing to do with Jared Parker. Absolutely nothing. We're going to talk about, you know, the combination of Jared Parker and Gino Godouli, which I think eventually is going to end up being One of the best things to come out of everything everything. that's happened happened. long term for this university and a football program. Period, Period. but it is unfortunate, right? It is unfortunate and I think it was a a process where everyone became weary at the end. Just flat out i just think a lot of people involved are just like man look um look but i do think jared parker had insider trading information by being a part of the process discussing things with marcus freeman about other candidates and by the time he sat down for his interview he, he had the cheat code he had the cheat code right and now yo we move forward we absolutely move forward. We move forward yeah gotta move forward at this point point. and I'm not mad at, at Jared Parker for taking notes at all Johnny S has a comment thanks for tapping in Johnny S I think the disconnect is Malik's definition of collaborative and mine are slightly different Malik's viewpoint Was him giving the position coaches too much leeway? Well, that would mean that collaborative has more than one definition. That's all. That's all. That's all. all. And I think that's why we brought up the question from one of our listeners that posted the question after the show. I
3: do think I do think a lot of it is just Chair Parker's consistent message of look, this is not a dictatorship that we had last time. This is not a dictatorship. This is gonna be coaches that are brought here gonna be able to coach their butt off. And what they're getting from their groups is gonna be reported back to me. And we can put something good together to help all these groups, you know, elevate and advance from what they were learning last year. So I do think that that's what convinced Marcus Freeman was the fact that it was a, a, a nice dynamic to have, a, a an, and a refresher, to have a coach come in and say, it's not going to be my way or the highway. It's not gonna be, it's not gonna be me just drawing up everything, running all the meetings, doing everything by myself, and everybody just follow along. I think that's what he experienced in the first year, which you know it didn't work out as as much as he had at like had liked to. But Jared Parker seeing that and literally trying to do the opposite and just making it more apparent that this is gonna be a well more uh or a better work environment, you know, it's going to be a better work environment. Guys are going to like being here. We're going to push stuff together, put our minds together to get this, get, to get these victories. And it's not going to be a dictatorship. Leo mute, I think.
1: Marvin Bell, thank Marvin. you for tapping in. He said, "Uh, so we're not going to have a head coach of the offense left?
3: <laughs> Unfortunately, Marcus Freeman just can't get a regular Ooh. OC. You know, he either gotta get a OC by committee or he gotta get a dictatorship where everybody gotta do what they say my way or the highway.
1: Yeah.
3: So hopefully, you know, after this year, maybe he can find in the, the middle ground. Yeah. We can just find a nice OC to come in, and do his job that that work well with everybody else, and this and that and the third. But you know, I, I think that's just the, what you got to go through in your first years as a head coach.
1: I think that's fair. Lucky Lefty Podcast. Coming up, we're going to dive deep into Marcus Freeman and what he said during the press conference and how it got pretty heated during the last five minutes if you thought the first five minutes were something else. But before we do that, Lev, hmm I'm going to ask you a question and then, you know, LL question of the day. Let's keep it above. Who's the nastiest person in your household? House? Who's the nastiest person? In, like, who has the worst office, bedroom, just clutter everywhere? I'm interested in knowing, LL Nation. Who would that be? in your household who would it be now left I don't want you to answer right now I don't want you yeah, to I answer think right now i out of this. <laughs> the reason I asked this man because I saw this interesting video when they had all of the players down at the Super Bowl they were asking them who had the worst locker on their team the team and some of the NFL stars Gave some interesting answers. And then I want you to think about it, Left Who had the worst locker during your time at Notre Dame? Who had the worst locker during your time at Notre Dame? Check this out. Locker in
2: your room. Me. If we talk about the locker room, um, since Drew retired, it's been me. The
3: messiest locker in the room. Jason Peters, bro.
0: <laughs> me and Trip Williams. Messiest locker is Frank now, and it's not even close. Oh. The messiest locker, and I, honestly, messiest locker and probably the best dude, just great guy, Chase Young, and he has two lockers, and it is so, I mean, it's everywhere, and I
2: don't think he'd disagree with me, but he is just an awesome guy, but man, he's got a messy locker. The messiest locker, sorry Justin, uh, Justin Jefferson, has got the messiest locker, and I think it's because he gets so much stuff sent to him that he just has nowhere to put it, I don't blame him for it.
1: The is like locker, either Titus Howard or Kenyon Green, for sure. Easy.
2: Okay, this isn't really a me. mess. Okay, no, it's not messy. It's actually... Uh, BJ Hill. Seven. Leonard Fournette is terrible. Justin Jefferson. locker
0: is directly next to me, and it's not even close.
2: Oh, this past year I had a teammate for the first time who had at least... Four Amazon boxes sit in his locker outside, not inside the locker, on top of the locker for at least a month, and that is Mike Davis. He had an Amazon shipping center. I don't know why you order Amazon packages and then do not open the boxes, but that's what he did for at least a month and a half. Mike Davis spent down.
1: Probably me, honestly. (laughs) To be honest, they'll probably say the same thing, me. In in Washington? Oh, I'm not going to do any of my guys like that. So those are the NFL stars talking about the messiest locker in their locker room. Left, who, who was the messiest locker in the Notre Dame locker room during your time?
3: Man, it was a, uh, it was some messy lockers in there. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I don't know. I mean, it is Notre Dame guys, so they they may have been a little a little messed up but nothing too bad Geron's definitely was was trash for sure Jerron all the all the guys you would think of that you like he probably a little sloppy yeah they locker was probably the same way but there were some receivers there were some receivers that were pretty sloppy too so it's just it just it just
1: depends it's really interesting Geron shocks depends. me because he's a mama's boy. So I would think Jerome would be really tidy. But no, Jerome, maybe I, not because his maybe his mom picked up after him all the time. But you got to
3: think, though, some of these guys are hoarders. Mm. And they live out of their lockers. Kavari's locker was messy only because he lived in his locker.
1: Now, that's strange. He's because there. Kavari is all about the zen and getting into a mold. Man, this man never went home
3: so your locker got you know jeans so you doing your laundry there you know it's just a lot going on
1: so <laughs> it's just different <laughs> yo the chat is getting the chat is really some of you guys are throwing your, your, your significant others under the bus bro of course yeah. this is the place to do it if you're gonna do it this is the place to do it in the chat Right. It's doing right here. <laughs> oh man! But it's it's always the one thing that stood out about that video. The Messi's lockers were always some of the best players on the team. Yeah, like Justin Jefferson is probably getting sent clothes, and people want them to rock his want him to rock their brands, and they just stack up and. You know, during the week, you don't have a time to except you know—sift through all that stuff. No, you just don't. You don't. So I, I understand. I understand. Like, who was on? Who was to your right in the locker room? Left. I had Ev, and then I had Deshaun. So you were in the middle of Ev and Deshaun. Mm-hmm. And you guys had to clean this area, right? The quarterbacks—you guys had to clean this area.
3: A lot of it was because we didn't have all the tape. The tape. And cutting the tape after practice and all this stuff, that's what made the locker just a lot worse, you know. So that's what we were dealing with was like, okay, lineman had a whole forearm elbow tape, and then they would cut it off and leave it there. Yeah. yeah. It just pile up. So you got everybody's ankles and arms and wrists. I just had my ankles taped sometimes, but we didn't really have our ankles taped. So ours generally stayed clean and stuff. So... <laughs> You go down to the running backs, it's a little bad, you know. And then guys have sweaty stuff, so, you know, they take forever to put their laundry up, and sometimes they forget. So it's just a lot going on.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's funny. Ricky Doyle, or Rick Doyle, thank you for tapping in. It's a funny story. I had a rep from a warranty company come into the dealership. I sit my phone down to talk to him, and he sees an LL podcast on my phone. He asked, Oh, you watch LL and IB2? It was pretty cool. Man, that's what's up, Rick. That's what's up. What's up man? man, I would get on Geron the next time he joins the show, bro. Get on Jay, man. Yeah, I'm going to get on him. Like, oh, man, you didn't tell me. You're at the sloppy locker in the locker room, bro. Looking up the podcast, we transition now to Marcus Freeman. And what he had to say during his press conference, introducing Jared Parker as the new offensive coordinator, Lucky Lucky Podcast. You already know we spin it different.